0: Okay. <laughs> there you're listening to the poldark podcast a podcast about the poldark saga created by poldark fans
1: hello i am rita i live in england i tumblr princess of poldark and tweet at rita bites
0: i am michelle i live in the states i tumblr at poldark muses and i tweet at musings
1: now unfortunately everyone's favorite french lady Delonda, can't make it this week but we will try and struggle on without her uh, on this week's podcast, we will be discussing episode six of season three. It aired on the BBC this past Sunday. So spoiler warning for anyone who is not yet caught up.
0: Okay, so let's start with the episode description. The episode starts with George and Elizabeth in bed together at Trentwith. Ew. Ross, with his impeccable timing, saunters into the house to visit Aunt Agatha. They crack right on into some exposition.
2: <laughs> Nerve you! You suddenly set the tongues wagging, prison breaks, roasting the Frenchies, whatever. Left.
3: A less perilous venture, Aunt, clearing the long field at Napara. Dull. Not for our starving miners. When George closed with leisure,
0: many lost everything. If I can give them the land, at least they can eat. George will be disappointed. She casually mentions that George is at home and Ross is like fuck and runs for it practically stumbling into his son su- I mean George's son Valentine cue the guilt-ridden visage and very narrowly avoiding being spotted by George who is otherwise occupied being annoyed by the sound of toads
1: Yes people welcome ah. to the toad storyline <laughs> Prime time television at its best. Please stop croaking, it's really freaking me out.
0: <laughs> the pun Okay, I promise I won't I won't croak anymore. <laughs>
1: the pun that trend with has been filled with very noisy toads by Drake Kahn, much to Jeffrey Charles's and Morwenna's amusement. Oddly enough, this leads to them and by them I mean Morwenna and Drake talking And despite the fact that nothing has changed from last week, they start making out all over the place and delusionally thinking they can be together.
0: Elsewhere, Dwight is having war flashbacks. Really, literal war flashbacks. Caroline is trying to divert his attention with biscuits and carriage rides, but is coldly rebuffed. Failing that, Caroline is like, sex! Sex will (laughs) work! But again, she's rejected. Cut to Ross and Demelza casually judging the Caroline Dwight Union. What the fuck? Saying Caroline will never know Dwight. Uh, People in glass houses, etc., etc. Anyway, Ross writes to Hugh Armitage and asks him to intervene.
1: Zaki Martin is the new mine captain. Hooray!
0: Uh, Drake keeps talking about leaving, but much to Rita's disappointment, never actually does. Nope. Demelza, in a desperate attempt to keep her brother around, does a complete 180 on his relationship with Morwenna and starts encouraging him to pursue her.
3: we will miss it here.
2: Yes, I must go. When Hope's gone, tis as well to know it.
3: If it is gone.
1: My suspicion that nothing's lost. Till we say so.
0: Wait, what?
1: George finds out that Ross has been visiting Trenwith. I say visiting, but it's basically trespassing. Elizabeth, in an effort to protect her saintly son, passes the buck of blame on to Morwenna for the visits. She is thusly punished by being thrust into the company of Ozzy yet again. Speaking of which, he is sucking on the toes of a prostitute. Now we don't kick shame here on Poldark Podcast, but that is a horror we might never recover from. A very uncanned pair, if you will.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna have to bleach my brain. Drake has struck again with yet more toads. George is furious at Tom Harry, who defends himself by pointing out that these new toads are not the same ones he got rid of before. Oh my god, the intricacies of the toad plot. And someone has been planting them. Of course. Who else knows of my aversion? Who else would take the trouble
3: to antagonise me in this way? Ross? That's so childish. But typical of his scheming and malice. I want five men on guard from tonight. Cancel all other duties. The person responsible will be caught red-handed.
1: Ross, Demelza, half the village and Sam all show up to clear the field that Ross has given them. Now, obviously, Drake is a no-show because he's busy collecting shells and making moon eyes at the ocean or whatever the fuck he does these days. And we're then treated to our weekly shit-on-Sam's-Religion rant, courtesy of Demelza, who has no right to impose her worldviews on others, but whatever. We then cut to a montage of peasant labour. Let's romanticize the working poor some more! Oh, and
0: uh, when Demelza teasingly snatches Ross's mug of ale away from him. Girl, I was reaching for an earring. Hashtag R.I.P. Lafayette from True Blood. R.I.P. I had a sympathy eye twitch for Ross. People know better than to try to take something from my plate to eat. Over at Kilwarren, he arrives to visit Dwight. And Dwight looks happier than when he was reunited with Caroline. I'm not sensing homoerotic tension. You are. Seriously. You are. um actually that'd be kind of hot anyway uh they sit down and talk about all the shit that they went through and Hugh advises Dwight to be patient and understanding with Caroline and to talk to her as much as he can back at Nampara Demelza reads a letter intended for Drake written by Jeffrey Charles to warn him about the guard stationed at the pond the plot contrivance, have having Demelza receive the note, makes absolutely no sense. Also, where the fuck was Drake all afternoon? He wasn't helping in the field. He wasn't with Morwenna, because she was at Trenwith. Is Drake moonlighting as an Etsy friendship bracelet entrepreneur? No! No, he's been gathering up toads! You know, someone's got to do it. Lord knows it's not like he's doing something, you know, like working. Uh, Demelza rides over to Trainwith to stop or warn Drake, which is a terrible idea, but whatever. She throws a rock, distracts Tom Harry, and gives Drake an opportunity to run away, which works until Tom throws something and knocks Drake out. Just when Tom is about to turn him over, lo and behold, Ross shows up to save the day. Insert ridiculous gender stereotypes here, and whacks him over the head. Drake is saved. Goodness, not one, not two, but three dark carns to almost wind up seeing the magistrate.
1: Hmm. Naturally, Ross yells at Drake for being a moron and endangering his and Amel's life. But when he finds out that Drake was filling George's ponds with toads, it all becomes fun and giggles as he recalls how he used to fill George's breeches with toads at school. Ah oh, believing they're hilarious. Breaking news!
0: Jeffrey Charles is being sent to the best school in the country, and everyone is acting as if it is an act of pure evil. There was I thinking it was to get him away from his mother. So the crooked Mike can take his place. Less of the ablest bullshit on Agatha, please. Anyway, Jeffrey Charles runs off to tell Drake the news of his departure, and then drops the bombshell of Morwenna's betrothal. Drake is shook, <laughs> uh, but accepts Jeffrey Charles' gift from him.
1: Because why not?
0: After the kid basically guilt him into it, you know?
1: Drake and Moenna meet at the beach for the billionth time, and she stroked his back for like 45 years. I don't know. It was way too long, though. Um, They kiss, yada yada. When I wake up again, Drake asks her to wait until he has made a goodly living, and then they can be together. Fortunately for me, they are caught making out, and remember, Drake's still topless, so what the fuck, on the beach by Tom Harry. Quite frankly, I'm surprised they weren't caught sooner.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Now, Tom Harry, obviously, runs to tell George, who is pissed. He and Elizabeth confront Morwenna, telling her she has now compromised herself. She could no longer be associated with Mr. Whitworth. They plan to ship her back to her mother immediately. (laughs) And they pick up on the fact that Morwenna does not look upset about any of this at all. Morwenna is pleased as fuck about this turn of events, which seems kind of naive given what the implications of being compromised actually meant. But the show clearly doesn't want to focus on that.
1: Remember when Jeffrey Charles handed Drake a gift? Well, it was his Bible. A very expensive Bible that when missing, Elizabeth and George automatically assume Drake coerced into giving him. Tom, Harry is sent to his cottage, find the Bible in his possession, and charge him with theft.
0: Demelza freaks the fuck out. Way worse than any time Ross was on trial. What the fuck, Debbie?
3: Theft of goods worth 40 shillings or more is a capital offence.
2: Capital? Well, you mean Drake could hang? We must tell him it's been a mistake. Drake's not the sort to steal Ross. I'll go and plead before the magistrate myself.
3: A good plan, but for one thing. The magistrate is George. What? Why else do you think he's arranged it this way? Not only will your pleas fall on deaf ears, he'd be all the more vicious with the sentencing.
2: Judas Ross! Why could you not have been magistrate? Why did you turn down the chance when it was offered?
0: The thought has occurred to me. So many problems with this, but moving on, Ross rides over to Trenwith to talk to George. He starts by trying to reason with George, and that obviously fails. So he then points out that the trial would end up compromising Morwenna. That fails too. And he rounds it off with the tried and tested method of blackmail. Do what I want or there will be a riot. What is that? Riot threat number three? Spoiler, doesn't work. Mm,
1: something about that blackmail must inspire George though, because he then goes on to blackmail Morwenna. Now if she accepts Ozzy's offer of marriage, he will drop the charges against Drake. Next thing we see is Drake being set free. Now Drake is obviously happy and runs to Lampara, where Ross tells him that the Whitworth engagement is off, and that he has a position as blacksmith available for Drake, so that he can earn enough living to provide for Morwenna as his wife. Like anything could ever be that easy!
0: Over at Kill Warren. Hey, remember that storyline? Caroline and Dwight have a heart-to-heart.
3: My desire to return to the Navy is not for want of love for you, for want of knowing how to live in this world. This place, lovely as it is, now seems alien to me. Accustomed to the cries of wounded men, the quiet appalls me. I have slept so long on filthy straw that soft linen seems wanton luxury. Having lived in the shadow of the firing squad, the least noise makes me scream and every breath I take makes me feel guilt. But I am here and others are not. You think me ungrateful if I decline an invitation or some delicacy you've prepared, but in truth, I have no appetite for food or society. What I wish is to hide away until the world no longer seems strange to me.
1: Is that why Ross sent for Hugh Armitage?
3: There is a... There is a kind of bond between men who have seen atrocities and survived and need to talk until all the horror is talked away. I will not have you hear such things until Hugh came and knew not how to be rid of them.
1: And are you now rid of
3: them? It's it's a beginning. Can you bear with me?
1: I can bear anything. Now that I know I've not lost your love.
0: Give him a BAFTA! Throw it at his face! Because it was awesome! The episode ends with Drake and the Nampara crew finding out about and then showing up what at Morwenna and Ozzy's wedding. Cue dramatic close-ups, slow motion, and a whole lot of bitch faces. <laughs> the end! Uh, we've got a couple of new folks that have sent in comments, so thank you very much for joining us.
1: What did you think of this week's episode?
0: Uh, our first is Swetha Koda. Uh, loved this episode my favorite so far in this season definitely it had all the emotions so much more colorful after the last episode which was so grim and chaotic and so many Romelza moments.
1: Prairie Cheesehead said for me it was so so I didn't hate it but I wasn't left ugly crying like I was after last week's episode.
0: Artsyat uh, said I liked this week's episode didn't love it though At last, I finally thought Drake's character showed some depth and emotion, and it did move their story forward. Aunt Agatha made me cheer a few times. She was so feisty this week.
1: BPAC67 said, too much Drake and Moenna. I like the storyline characters, but think it has dragged on. And not enough time spent on Dwight and Caroline. I'm hoping that Dwight's PTSD is not cured in one episode.
0: (laughs) Don't, 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 don't pin your life on that hope, honey, because I have a feeling he's going to be all better next week. Absolutely Addicted Poldark, he said. You mean, what did I think of the Drake and Morwenna show? <laughs> wow, there was much disappointment in it for me, unfortunately. From Frogate to Gate. <sighs> so what did you think? What did you think, Rita?
1: For me, it was kind of dull. Like, I don't think it was the worst episode, but I wasn't thrilled. I don't think it was a great idea to move all the Drake storylines into one episode. Like, it felt just incredibly uneven as much as I enjoyed the Toad storyline in the books. It could easily have been removed in favour of more focus on, like, Dwight and Caroline. And also, the manoeuvring to get Moena to accept the proposal, like, the way this was written. You didn't get to see her feelings or her pain. It just cut straight to Drake's reaction. And that really undermined the storyline in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I um I was kind of meh on the on the episode, you know, I didn't I didn't have real strong feelings either one way or or the other. Um and totally agree with you about the the toad storyline. You know, they it's like they crammed they crammed everything about that storyline into this single episode and I kind of wish that they'd spread it out across um at least some of last week um but you know whatevs. um it it was okay uh i do have a couple of quibbles about uh some of the the bits where they have included demelza doing something that makes absolutely no sense like you know her intervention in trying to save drake from the getting caught i thought that that was just really contrived and uh did not did not like that at all it's kind of this super super demelza kind of concept but um so uh your favorite scene and why
1: absolutely addicted Podarki said when demelza drank all of ross's ale why it was reminiscent of season one from melza and made me giggle
0: artsyat said favorite scene was dwight and caroline on the bench Luke Norris was amazing. Best acting on the show in a long time and a scene that wasn't 10 seconds long. Hallelujah!
1: Uh, Prairie Cheese had said basically any scene where Aunt Agatha threw shade at George. Also, I loved the discussion between Dwight and Caroline at the end of the show. I think it captured both how each was feeling. Well, Caroline didn't really get to say anything in regards to Dwight's PTSD and showed that understanding each other is the key to dealing with this. When someone has a mental illness, the family has to deal with it too. And more often than not, there is, isn't much support for them.
0: Preach. <laughs> Cause you know, that that is so very true. Um I think for me the the while Caroline didn't say much, I thought that Gabriella's uh facial expressions were were so rich and and heartfelt Uh, And especially when you looked into her eyes, you saw that same look that she had the first time she and Dwight um, met up and kissed, where she was admitting that she didn't know, you know, anything about men. Um, Just this, you saw the the soul of Caroline in that moment. And um, I thought that that was really sweet, especially when... He asked her if she, if he, if she would be patient with him and she just slid across the bench. Um, I thought that was just the sweetest thing. So anyway, kudos to, to both Luke and Gabriella on that scene. That was fantastic. Uh, let's see. Attorney MSB three said Dwight's breakdown in front of Caroline again, beautifully done by talented actor. Marwenna's line to Drake on why she was marrying Ozzy. Why do you suppose it has anything to do with the heart? Um, if you give this act, you know, and I agree, if you give this actress a line worth saying, she acts the heck out of it. Because that was probably the, 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 the moment where Morwenna's character, you know, grew dimension just in saying that line. So, bravo, Elise. Um, stupid favorite moment, Demelza taking Ross's ale. Her smile was playful, utterly charming, and looked genuine
1: bpec 67 said, I love my Ramelza. Demelza grabbing the cup of ale from Ross as he was about to drink it. And the look on both their faces. What is the deal with you
2: people? Oh! Joey doesn't shampoo.
1: What was your least favorite scene, and why?
0: Oh oh my god, this is, this is kind of universal, so buckle your seatbelts.
1: Pro Cheesehead said, Ozzy's toe-sucking scene. If I were to ever consider toe sucking as a kink, this scene basically ruined it for me. That image of his poor sign, red face with someone else's toe in his mouth, and then making the same sound I do whenever I eat tiramisu, will forever be scarred on my brain. I can never unknow that this exists on film.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna be rewriting part of Garage after that. Trust and believe. Oh, oh God.
1: <laughs> attorney msb3 said ross watching elizabeth walk out of the church why just why how much more proof does he slash we need that she is on the dark side always was buddy another least favorite moment ross seeing valentine and his following look of angst enough already so he longs for the son he cannot have really how about paying attention to the two three four five whatever how old is that kid ah, product time warp thingy again who knows age don't care though adorable little boy he seems to have reverted in age by the way he's like he you got younger again um seeing that ross did not give a rip about him from birth might be better to spend energies and angst there
0: you know i didn't see the look that he gave um at seeing Valentine uh, being one of regret or longing. I think it's more guilt than longing, Um, you know, because if that is his son, he's left him in the hands of that asshole, George. Um, And so, you know, I don't think he's longing for Valentine. Um, And I think he's doing better with Jeremy now. Uh, You know, we do know that the boy was always closer to Demelza. And, you know, there's a there's a reason for that. But I think he's doing better.
1: But I felt like it was like a totally soap opera moment. <laughs> oh my God, my son's crying and I can't comfort him. Um, it's just so cheesy. Like someone pour me a drink.
0: <laughs> Let's see. Both Artyak and BPAC67 agreed the toe-sucking scene by Ozzy. Uh, Artyak went on to say, I know it was in the books but it was horrific to watch. Luckily, I didn't have breakfast that morning. We are nine hours in front here in Australia. (laughs) Oh, God, that was horrible. Um, Zoe Gerlo, uh, the woe is me moans between the Karn siblings. It's gone from soap opera to full-out telenovela in certain points. A scantalo. It's especially jarring.
1: Uh, Yeah. I see a lot of telenovela vibes in season three. Like George is mm-hmm. the classic mega bitch character, and Moena is the ingenue, mm-hmm. possibly a former orphan nun. If you were in a <laughs> in a telenovela, <laughs> that would get trampled on and thwarted from being with her one true love.
0: Absolutely addicted, puldirky. Oh, the Aussie toe sucking. Ugh. Why, good God! I kept thinking of the poor actress in the scene. Wondered if she needed some Xanax to get through it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think um, when it comes to the, to that scene, I honestly I I don't think I can give enough uh, kudos to Christian uh, Brassington the part of Ozzie. Dude is committing to this role. He is not doing anything half-assed. He is, he is, he's, he's amazing. I think that he's, he's absolutely amazing. Um, even if he is thoroughly disgusting.
1: I think I tweeted you last week, like, this is the one thing I'm looking forward to. I'm like, I can't yes. like see it each week. His performance is amazing. <laughs> are we talking about least favorite scenes? mine was the any pick any any drake moena (laughs) scenes what was what was even the point of last week's episode with drake being like i don't want to leave if you were gonna have one conversation and then get them get them back together what was the point like literally what the fuck was that about and then they kept making out in public places like none of that made sense this show walked back on all the progress of previous episodes, and it infuriated me. You know why that happened, right? Because Debbie decided that the Toad shit had to happen after the rescue and involved a lot of maneuvering to achieve. She sacrificed character arcs and common sense to achieve it. It was just like, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because all of the Toad stuff, the uh, Bible stealing, all of that stuff took place before the rescue. In the books, everybody say it with me. In the books, yeah, you know, I understand if they, you know, that they're gonna move some stuff around, but
1: damn it, have it make
0: some sense.
1: If you're gonna just like be like, we're, they're gonna break up, and then the next episode, no, they're back together again because we forgot this other thing had to happen.
0: Like really? Yeah, it's just the the, the lack of logical progression is just killing me.
1: And it makes Moenna look like a complete twat, because she's like, oh no, we need to break up. Oh, let's make out. <sighs> Whatever. Favorite new character and why? Prairie Cheesehead said, there was no new characters in this episode, but my favorite character was on Agatha and her sassiness.
0: Uh, Zoe Girl, lol, yeah. um, said, baby clowns Freed from her swaddling, she's quite feisty, nearly swiping the note from Prudy. Yeah, I do love the baby that they had playing clowns. I
1: hope, I hope that that kid ends up being ginger. Like pray to Jesus.
0: I do too. She's blonde in the books where I don't know where that comes from.
1: Um absolutely addicted Poduckie said, "I'm going to say Sam." Woo! <laughs> <laughs> i'm so happy i realize at this point he's not new but we still see so little of him he's like a new character because all of the focus has been on his simpering little brother <laughs> marry me
0: <laughs> swethakota says uh all the romelza moments sweet moment where they shared the cup of yale share share my ass uh, <laughs> the scenes where they were all working on the farm Always love it when Ross gets down and dirty with physical labor, puts him in such sharp contrast with George, who has no one to call friends and is always dressed meticulously and has his nose in the air without ever lifting a finger to do any work himself. Also, George shouting from bed, where's Tom Harry? Lol. (laughs) It sounds like Ross and Francis were kind of mean to George. It was nice to get some specifics on that background, which doesn't exist in the books. It also shows how much Ross has grown and how George is still clinging to past incidences and unable to move past them or grow. Throughout the episode, Ross was the much more matured and responsible man than George. Three, Ross-George confrontation scene was also great, Uh, a type of amphibian lol, and all of Agatha's burns at George.
1: Least favorite new character and why? Perry Cheesehead said, George and his stupid over-the-top, Ross is behind every bad thing that ever happens to me paranoia. If when George blames Ross for something that goes wrong on George's life is not already part of the Poldark drinking game, it should be. I can handle that he does things to hurt others if it means personal gain for him. I'm tired of how the writers are having this. his main motivation always be trying to one-up Ross, rather than stay with his main motivation being his insecurity as it is in the novels.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, BPAC67 said, Ozzy, even more after the toe-sucking. Zolligirl says, Drake, runs for cover. <laughs> I got your back, sister. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely Addicted Podaki said, Ozzy, of course. Why? Because what's not to hate? He is a pig, so vile and disgusting.
0: Uh, Swetha Koda said, Caroline trying to, dis- trying to surprise Dwight coming up from behind. Why was she so insensitive? <sighs> because she doesn't know what's going on. Oh, no. uh, a little out of character. <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> um, a little out of character. I can see her being eager for things to get back to normal, but can't she see that Dwight has been through a lot and would need time to recover? I did not like their scenes, even though I get the point.
1: Yeah, it was very heavy handed. It was like, she's so crazy and sensitive.
0: Yeah, it 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 was really over the top. Um, they didn't have to have everything that came out of her mouth be something, you know, about Marzipan or, you know, let's go for a ride for the carriage or blah, 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 blah. You know, it didn't have to be that beat you over the head with it. Uh, Let's see, another thing. Uh, Why did Demelza suddenly decide that Drake and Morwenna should be together? Thank you! Um, Inconsistent with last episode, I think. Uh, Yeah. Last episode. uh, Yeah. Um, With her planting doubts very early in the episode, uh, in Drake's mind, whether it was truly over for him, caused the whole mess that came after. So, who did it do any good? Absolutely. Absolutely. absolutely frickin' lutely
1: Sorry, it does set up a lot of Demelza ruining her brother's lives unintentionally. <laughs> oh, Demelza. Yeah.
0: Um, and then Whitworth toe fetish scene. Yikes. Uh, what made you cheer? Uh, Prairie Cheesehead said uh, "Zacky's promotion to mine captain. While well, I am sure that there is no one in Cornwall who wishes that it had to happen because Henshaw died. R.I.P. Henshaw. I'm also sure that everyone will agree that zacky has earned it.
1: BPEC 67, Zaki's appointment to mine captain. It was only fitting that he got the job.
0: An absolutely addicted Poldarky agrees, of course. Uh I think that he I think that uh, this one won all of the cheers. Um it made me cheer and cry at the same time when Zaki was appointed the new cap- mine captain. R.I.P. Hashtag R.I.P. Francis. Oh! No! Hashtag R.I.P. Henshaw.
1: R.I.P. Francis. Yeah, R.I.P.
0: You know, everybody that they're killing off on this show.
1: (laughs) I love them. Honestly, this just kind of annoyed me while I was watching it. Couldn't we have just kept Henshaw and killed off Saki instead? Like, when they were trying to decide who to kill off. Like, they fulfill similar functions. And one of them is already the mine captain. Anybody but Henshaw is my mantra, so. What? made you want to throw things at the television slash computer screen. Prairie Cheesehead said, George blackmailing Moenna into marrying Reverend Toesucker to keep Drake from the noose. Then having Drake find out about this the way he did. I know it's for drama, trademark, but to me it seemed way too over the top. The only thing that was missing was a moustache for George to twirl as he gloated over
0: um, Arciat said, I wanted to throw things at the screen as they dragged on the Toad storyline. I know it's in the book, but it didn't need that much screen time.
1: Preach it.
0: Uh, BPAC67 said, George, Blackmailing, Morwenna into marrying Ozzy. Yeah, that, that was really nasty.
1: Absolutely addicted podocky has a list. <laughs> One, Demelzer and Ross coming to Drake's rescue at the pond and Thank you! <laughs> Two, the newly discovered by book fans amphibian phobia of George Willoughby thanks to Ross's bullying in their childhood. Wait, what? Three, Aunt Agatha referring to Valentine as the crooked mite. Ugh.
0: Four,
1: the Whitworth wedding stare down. What was that about? Five, poor Caroline being relegated to bystander. Preach it. Oh.
0: Swethicoda says, uh, she's got a couple of them, um, how Drake and Marwenna have no real plans as to how they're going to make it work. She hasn't even told him that she's to be wed to someone else, but they keep making out on beaches where anyone can see them. <laughs> and to the Dwight Caroline scenes, you know, they are better than that. Uh, much pain on both sides could have been avoided by that having a little chat at the end of the episode much earlier. I do have a th- I do have a theory about about why it waited until the end. It's because they had to bring Hugh Armitage back and they had to give him they have to continue to give him something for people to like. They're building up this this character to be, you know, this this, you know, caring, friendly, um helpful uh person so that when stuff happens Uh, You know, he is not relegated to mustache-twirling bad guy.
1: I agree with you that Hugh's inclusion was completely pointless because, like, he had that chat, and then he also had, like, a completely different but incredibly similar chat with Ross. And it's like, why? Why do I have to talk about this as much? But personally, what annoyed me the most was, like, every time they cut to Caroline eavesdropping, because I was reminded of Elizabeth in season two, and it filled me with horror. Like, what the hell is this show doing with these female characters? Caroline is not passive. She would have confronted and forced a conversation with Dwight immediately. Like, Christ, is not even a case of her character not resembling book Caroline. She doesn't resemble season two Caroline. Where is the woman who manipulated her uncle for money and then bought a shit ton of oranges just to score some flirting points? Like, who is this imposter? And what the hell is going on? Will I ever get Caroline back?
0: I really hope so because uh, it's it's really been disappointing to see how her character has has changed into, you know, as you said, you know, this passive shell of a a person that we got to know in series 2. So Uh and one thing I know that we um I answered a blog post where someone had said that uh, the UK public don't like Caroline because she's a snob. Well, if that's the impression that you get from her, um, it doesn't have anything to do with with who she who the character really is. It has to do with how the character has been portrayed on screen, and um, you know what lines and uh, direction the actress has been given, and all of that comes from. I'm not going to say her name.
1: And also, have you asked everybody in England, like, how do you get this general consensus <laughs> that everybody doesn't like Caroline?
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, what was your performance of the week? Uh, Swetha Kota said, I thought Marwena, uh did very well. Uh, so Elise, well done. Uh, Jack Farthing, definitely. He made me feel a little sympathy for George, but mostly pity.
1: I can totes empathize with the with the toad aversion. Like, damn. <laughs> Jerry Cheesehead said, Caroline Blakingston as Aunt Agatha. She gave us the perfect blend of sassy, shade throwing, serious advice giving when it was needed, and sheer joy when she talked of her party.
0: Absolutely Addicted Poldarky said, Luke Norris. He has done a superb job in his portrayal of the emotionally scarred and fragile Dr. Ennis. When he and Caroline are in the garden and he states, he does not know how to live in this world, it broke my heart. BPAC67 also said Luke Norris was fabulous in playing the traumatized Dwight.
1: Luke Norris, Luke Norris, Luke Norris, Luke Norris, Luke Norris, Luke Norris, Luke Norris. Norris. (sighs) (laughs)
0: Bow down to Luke Norris. He was the mother effing best thing in this episode. He was fantastic. BAFTAs, fling, fling, fling.
1: Any other observations you wish to share with us? Now, Prairie Cheesehead said we're over halfway through the season now, at this point, I think season 3 is okay. However, the more I watch it, the more I pick up on things I may have missed the first few times I watched. And my opinion on it will change. Because of so of so many new characters and storylines, it may have been better in retrospect if they'd done only Black Moon for season 3. Then perhaps they could have taken the time to tell the story properly, and without it feeling choppy at times and rushed.
0: I think they got the balance wrong in terms of storylines. I assumed that in the latter half of the series, episodes five, six onwards, that we would see more of Dwight Caroline, less of Drake and Marwena, as she would have been married to Ozzy by now. We've only got three episodes to go and we are still in Black Moon. She talks about a bunch of stuff that's coming, so we're just going to put a little spoiler on it. I know we say uh, spoiler alert at the beginning of the show, but we try not to spoil what we know is coming in the book so we're just gonna cut that chunk out um but she goes on to say that she thinks mammoth has been hamstrung trying to fit in too many storylines into nine episodes with season four being only eight episodes covering the last half of swans and all of angry tide i am concerned we will have the same problem unless mammoth makes some hard decisions regarding some storylines and characters How can you cover Angry Tide in four or six episodes? They have nearly taken seven episodes to cover Black Moon, and it is half the size of Angry Tide.
1: Okay, I'm trying to, like, breathe the anxiety about that out. (laughs) (laughs) Attorney MSB3 said other observations. On Agatha, the actress is great and looks like she's having a blast, but the character is more than prickly. She's... A selfish old woman whose only concerns are who is going to take care of her. That she stays in her house. That only Poldark's head the house. Remember she was ready to sacrifice Verity's only chance for any kind of happiness. Wanted and expected Ross to leave his wife and son for Elizabeth. Not because Demelza had done anything wrong, but because Elizabeth was available and she wanted a Poldark to head the home. Forget that Elizabeth was always been vain, shallow, and was a lousy wife to Francis, who was a good guy and really loved her until she shut him down after their son was born. Not to mention the trouble Agatha caused to everyone in the future with her words to George. That's vague enough we can keep in. And said solely out of spite and without a thought for how her words would impact others. Um, yo, attorney, it must be three. Can can we get married? Like, I <laughs> so hard. <laughs> oh, God. Now, Aunt Agatha is like a terrible person, but people are like, oh, she's so sassy. Uh, no. She's every bit as selfish, manipulative, and ruthless as George. She even has a ridiculous sense of self-importance because she's a polduck. Christ, they're like mirror images of each other.
0: Yep. Uh, thanks for that reminder um, of uh, Aunt Agatha's uh, character. I think we need it. Uh Sassy DeMelza, she is adorable and admirable, but if she and Ross are so happy, just what causes future events? And in 2 to 3 episodes, it's going to be hard to do a 180 degree turn and launch into the 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 plot that we all know is coming uh from where we are now. It will be interesting to see how this is handled. Uh St. Ross uh, is a bit dull, at least for me. Even with the big rescue. No reflection on the actor. Maybe the books don't give him much of a storyline right now. If so, give him a break or give him something worthwhile to do. Lines worth saying. The George versus Ross thing is getting as old as the Ross and Elizabeth thing. I know it's necessary for the course of the books, but jeez. Uh, let's see. Absolutely pulled, <laughs> Absolutely addicted Polderky He said, I was very much... Looking forward to this week's episode as I believed we would delve more deeply into Dwight and Caroline's story. What I saw was poor Caroline being somewhat disregarded, reduced to a bystander. I don't remember that in the books. Debbie has weakened our beautiful, strong, and brave Caroline. Just remembering everything these two went through in the books and how they persevered, and their story seems rushed. Why? So we can get into the teenagers. saddens me, truthfully.
1: Um, Otziat said... Last observation, I wonder if anyone else feels like Ross and Demel's TV love story is rather muted compared to the books during this period. I just don't feel like they show much connection or passion. It felt much different when on the page. A little more love shown would make what's coming even more shocking and heartbreaking, in my opinion. Preach.
0: Swetha Koda said, um, first, Elizabeth doesn't have a defined character um, anymore, does she? All she does is just react to George's actions. Overall, I thought this was a very well-written episode. Thankful we did not get many waves crashing on cliffs. That's true. We didn't get we didn't get that many this week. We got ponds with toads. That's what we got this week. Um, Ross seems to have moved on from Captain Henshaw's death rather quickly. Thought he would have been suffering a bit more given last week's hallucinations that he had. Good for him, though. <laughs> Hope Dwight moves on too, for Caroline's sake.
1: Like, we don't know how much time has happened since that. Maybe he's just like moving on reasonably. Who knows? It could have been like six years.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, not that much. But, you know, yeah, it could have been. It could have been a couple of weeks. And I think that he was you know, while I don't think Ross's character would have been you know, like mooping around the house and and, and crying and, and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, during the scene where they were welcoming Zaki as the mine captain, um, he seemed to be fairly somber about it, um, and so I, I thought it was uh, it was a, an appropriate expression of emotion for, especially for Ross.
1: You know, he'd internalize that shit anyway. Absolutely. So we've reached the messages section. Um, our first message was from Ella, and it's no good. I really don't know why I bother watching the maddeningly poor Poldark TV series anymore. It's maybe because I'm so stupid that I always believe the next week's episode has to be better because how could it be worse and get disappointed every time? The Horsefield adaptation has little in common with Graham's books now, except the names of the characters and places and some approximate plot lines. I don't understand what is the point of making an adaptation that discards the essence and richness of the source material and replaces it with miserable banalities. Overboard and all one-dimensional characters, um, and sparse but dull dialogue. Can you even call that an adaptation? Anyway, I salute you. And thank you, podcast girls, for your entertainment and witty program. If you're going to keep making the podcast to the bitter end, I'm going to keep listening to them, even if I couldn't keep watching the Poldark TV show. The latter may yet turn out to be too heavy a task for me.
0: Oh, (sighs) Ella, I'm sorry that you've been disappointed by um, the television show. You know, I I think it's pretty clear that that we have shared uh, some of your disappointment in some of the episodes. Um, and we will continue this show to the bitter end because we love Poldark and we love everything about Poldark. And, um, I think that's why we're, we're, we're trying to hold this show up to such a high standard because we love it so much. Um, but, um, we appreciate your, your feedback. Thank you. And,
1: And we're at least having fun snarking about it. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah. Sweet Ruptured Light, Uh, why does this show insist on painting Caroline like a silly, witless little girl instead of the intelligent, sensitive woman she is? And why does Ross and even Demelza get to question whether they are even suited? Are you kidding me? And why doesn't Ross take the time to answer Caroline's questions and try to make her understand why Dwight is acting this way? It makes my blood boil. She's characterized as foolish and insensitive and rage, I hate it.
1: Like, I couldn't have put it better myself. Caroline has been painted as a complete ninny, which is crazy because they went to great odds to subvert that stereotype in season two. And now they've just given up and it's just repugnant to watch. Caroline is the biggest victim, but all the female characters have become so one-dimensional and it's really upsetting I used to tell people if you wanted to see some multifaceted depictions of women, watch Poldoc And now I'm just ashamed. As for Ross and Demelza talking shit about Dwight Caroline's marriage, that's hopefully dramatic irony, because they're going to look really fucking foolish really soon. Yeah.
0: What she said. Um, and I mentioned last week, that or earlier, that I responded to uh, an ask that described Caroline as a a snob, and I've already talked about um, why I think that has happened. Um, You know, when it comes down to Caroline, uh, her first line of defense, whenever she's feeling uncertain and shy, is to sound very ironic and to fling a bunch of bravado around. Um, When it comes down to brass tacks, uh, she's incredibly insecure about a number of things. Uh, Some people misinterpret this as snobbery, You know, I would challenge people to stretch a bit more before they slap a label on any of these characters. Let's see. Uh, We got a um, message from an Anon. Um, FYI, I'm in the U.S. and on my computer. um, Watch Poldark live on BBC One using a VPN. Uh, She goes on to recommend she's used Nord VPN, which is $80 every two years. Uh, There's a way to stream it, but she watches it on the computer. Pass along word to anyone in the U.K. who wants to watch live each week. Uh, There are all kinds of options out there to watch. Uh, We're not going to try and um, endorse any one of them um, here on the show.
1: No Ambition Blog said, I am finding myself a bit bored with the season. I've not read all the books, so I'm not comparing the show with the books, but George's character is so over the top that it's coming off as cartoonish. The about-face from Demelza on the Drake Morena relationship left me confused. I think the writing is really missing something quite lovely with the Dr. Ennis and Caroline story. With all that said, I do enjoy the series. I wish the writer could take some of the criticism and bring back the wonderful storytelling of series one and even two i was rooting for them all even george Mm.
0: uh got an anonymous uh comment uh good episode but debbie's trying to make drake and morwenna the new romelza and they ain't got it too much time spent on them not enough on dwight he needed more time he's been missing in recent episodes oh and when ross heard valentine his face oh my god not enough children either hated drake and the toes in the book and the preaching. I knew Black Moon was a bit off, but Debbie should have done more with her cast favorites. Drake is like a boy of 12. Demelza is obsessed with him.
1: Demelza is obsessed with him. She was like practically mooning over him. It was kind of freaky. I'm really tired of her character being reduced to just propping up Drake. Debbie said she was trying to amp up Demelza's character to make him more modern, i.e. feminist friendly. Yet all she's really achieved is creating a dynamic where demelza is constantly just reacting to either ross or drake she's never actually given her own agency or her own storyline she exists as a vehicle for these men and it's terrible writing you know
0: what this feels like to me uh you know for those of you that have read the harry potter books uh when they did the film uh hermione's character winds up uh being attributed to a ton of lines and actions uh, in the film adaptation. She wound up being very super hermione to me, and I'm sad to say I'm feeling the same vibes around the way Demelza's character is being portrayed. In the books, yes, I'm going to say it, uh, Drake winds up getting himself away from Tom, Harry, and the gang during the Frog Caper. He doesn't have Demelza riding over and warning him, inserting herself into the whole thing and putting herself in danger of being arrested.
1: Hashtag justice for Ron. (laughs) <laughs> yes yes uh lady mad Chen said it's been a long time since i've seen george willagan return to form in the ele- earlier part of the season i felt that he was written in a very heavy-handed way i saw glimpses of his his humanity in our last episode i felt his pain when aunt agatha told him that valentine would be bullied in school over the rickets She also dropped another bomb when she told him that Ross bullied him in school because he couldn't accept his own blacksmith grandfather. He was like a kid who found out that everything he believed in was a lie. And then he saw Ross' own... Wait, he saw Ross's own Drake Khan as his brother-in-law? Yeah, in
0: the scene where where Ross and um, George are having that conversation after Drake is um, arrested... Um, you know Ross. You know freely oh, says. As, uh, sorry, I yeah, yeah, You know Ross basically. You know says. You know this is my brother-in-law. You know that type of thing. And and you know, it's true. You know George has run away from the fact that he is a blacksmith's. You know his grandfather was a blacksmith. To see Ross just freely accept. You know this person of uh, lower birth as a member of his family. Uh, was probably pretty jarring for George.
1: I found Ross and George's confrontation to be a lot more authentic, and I could feel the chemistry cackling between the two.
0: Yeah, and I agree, it was refreshing to see this glimpse of George's humanity, you know, especially after he's been running around twirling his mustache most of the season. Um, and I knew that their confrontation in the end couldn't have ended the way it does uh, in the books. I know, I'm sorry, I said it again. Um, because they shot the wad on the villager uprising thing last season. Uh, so they had no choice but to have George return to his best snidely whiplash bullshit and blackmail Morwenna into marrying Ozzy.
2: Arrgh.
0: Uh
1: Lady Manchan said, I don't mind the increased focus on Ross and Demelza. In my opinion, they need to do some damage control from season two, especially in regards to Ross being more of a jerk than necessary and any mismanagement around the VBT. I felt that the show suffered this year by expanding the roles of Elizabeth and George, especially George. I feel that Debbie Horsfield wanted to expand the storylines of George Francis Elizabeth from the beginning. Sometimes it worked better than other times.
0: Um, about Ross being a massive dick. Uh, they keep saying he's going to wind up being enough of a tool that Demelza will get her revenge with, uh, you know, AJ. So far, he's been, quote, behaving and, quote, growl himself rather well. I'll be interested to see what douchery he'll commit that will justify Demelza's... I, I can't say it. I just can't say it.
1: I'm looking forward to them completely undermining characterization for stupid plot points again. Yeah,
0: I anticipate there will be lots of ragey stuff going on. So that's it for our, our comments and our messages and, and everything this week. Um, let's take a listen to the trailer for episode seven.
3: Puro lacks an MP. Change is long overdue with the right man in place.
0: Captain Ross up.
3: I will not have that man in my house.
1: Surely on her hundredth birthday, we can grant her this request?
3: I never knew you had ambitions to be a political wife. Nor do I. But you, your
2: influence is great. There's much good you could do. Why, sister, would you agree to marry that man? Is he unkind to you? He is a monster. Don't make me strike you! So help me I will. Lieutenant Armitage was most attentive to your wife.
3: What do you want, Demelza? That was no eight-month baby, George. So maybe somebody got there
1: George plans to sign for Parliament, but fails to make a good impression on a potential ally at Caroline's wedding reception, and is forced to seek support elsewhere. Angatha prepares to celebrate her 100th birthday, and Hugh becomes infatuated with Demelza, although Ross dismisses the possibility. Mawenna's sister turns up at the Whitworth Vicarage, and Sir Francis Bassett plans to challenge Falmouth's political monopoly in Truro and invites Ross and Demelza to Tahiti so he can make a proposal
0: we have reached the end of this week's podcast Uh, fear not we'll be back next week discussing episode 307 and this time we'll have our good buddy Delanda along with us (laughs) if you would like to reach out um, to the podcast uh, please tweet us at Podcast. Or message us on our blog, poldarkpodcast.tumblr.com slash ask before Tuesday, which is when we record. And please, if you listen on iTunes, give us a review. We could could use some reviews. That would be really helpful. Uh, See you next week, folks. Bye. Bye.
2: Away. The neighbors spread the word and my mom cried when she heard. I stole my girl away from everybody gathered in that tan just in time. So anyway, she didn't want to stay So please believe me when I say It's better, I crashed away. It's better than we're going Then she got was lame She couldn't take the print She didn't want to say the second name It's true, love, that's the way It's true, love, that's the way Second day, no no